Good Sunday morning. This is Mike Sarig, the voice of Vital Ministries, and it's good to be with you on this beautiful Sunday. I tell you what, if you're taking a ride or a drive somewhere today through across the state of Iowa, it is going to be one fabulous, beautiful day. And we're just thankful for that in the midst of February as we head to Valentine's Days coming up on the horizon. Men, make sure you're paying attention to that. Make sure you get your bride at least a, a card and some flowers. Just uh, That's a big day, so just uh, encourage you don't forget that. But maybe you are uh, today you're traveling down the highway and it's just a it's just a beautiful drive. Just encourage you to be safe as you're listening. Turn into KBOE 104.9 FM this morning. Thank you for listening and being with us as you travel. Also, to those of you who are headed on your way to church, just again, uh, hope and pray that it is just a good day for you and the Lord as you get together with other brothers and sisters in Christ and worship and hear a good word from your pastor. Just encourage you just uh, along the way just to have a good time and also to just to be uh, in a worship in a praiseful type manner as you head into your church this morning. Also, too, many of you, like Miss Diane out there this morning, I love Miss Diane. She is just a, a wonderful lady. She stopped by our home here this uh, past week and just brought us a gift. And, you know, it's things like that when you live in a small community that you just really, really appreciate. You appreciate taking moments where people can share and just talk about life a little bit. And that's one thing I always I always uh, appreciate when she stops by. It's just a, It's just a... It's a gift in the day. So again, Miss Diane, if you're listening this morning, thank you so much. And before we get started this morning, we also too just want to remember that we send out devotions six days a week with Vital Ministries. You can go to vitalministries.org. Check out our website. Also to the podcast that we've been in a teaching series called This Is Living. We're on actually week number five, but you can go back and catch up where we are in the things of the teaching. So I just encourage you to do that as well. We send out, again, devotional six days a week for both men and women, and also a combination. Vital Life goes out to everyone. My wife is the writer of that. That goes out six days a week. You can check that out. And also Vital Men, we send out devotionals five days a week. So just encourage you to be a part of that as we do Vital Ministries and just, just some good things. Like any ministry... It takes funding to make it work, and maybe if uh, um, if you have just a little bit extra and you would like to give it to a nonprofit, which would be us, we would love for that to happen. Again, you can go to our Vital Ministries website and check that out. It's just a great opportunity for you to um, give and also to uh, just to help out as we have the different costs that we have on the radio. But this morning, we're going to get started today. And today, again, as I, re- as I just said earlier, is week, session five, this is living. I don't normally take this long in a series, but I think what the Apostle Paul was saying to the Church of Galatia, which is in the country of modern-day Turkey, is a relevant as teaching as it was then, as it very much is today. It's hard truth. It's seen the battle between legalism and grace. See, folks, legalism has been a hard-fought battle in the Christian community. It's the do's and the don'ts of the law. It's living a life of slavery and performance. It saddens my heart to watch the Christian community fall to such a state of legal rules that it turns the person who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior wants to have nothing to do with that. Jesus talks about the rich young ruler as for an example of legalism who was enslaved and was very rich. If you go to Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31, you will see this this story with Jesus and the rich young ruler. And this rich young ruler approached Jesus and wanted to have a talk. On the outside, it looked like the man had it all going on. He was a young, rich, and held power. Probably a good-looking guy. One thing he was missing, he was missing something in his life. And that's what he was in search of. And that's why he went out and searched out Jesus. 
He calls out to Jesus in verse 17. He says, hey, good teacher, how can I inherit eternal life? Now, we know this guy is Jewish, and he should have already known the answer to that. But he says, what I've done is I've obeyed all of God's commands, and I avoid sin. He tells Jesus that he's obeyed the law since he was young, and, and like, like Jesus, how it, he has uh, a place that he doesn't characterize in his own life. He looks to him with love in his eyes. I like that what Jesus does. Jesus does not chastise the moment, nor does he condemn the man. Though he looks at this young, rich, young ruler with compassion, and he says, there's still one thing that you must do, even though you've obeyed all the laws and the commands that it says in God's word. See, I like how Tim Keller, he puts it this way as he writes it. He says, of course he's missing something. Because anyone who counts on what they are doing to get eternal life will find that in spite of everything they've accomplished, there's emptiness and an insecurity and a doubt. Something is bound to be missing. How can anyone ever know that they are good enough? I think that's a good, that's a good question for us this morning. How can you ever feel like you're good enough? See, the rich young ruler thought he had it all. He worked hard, had money, kept all of God's laws. He was literally trying to earn his way into the kingdom of heaven. The young man put his faith and his trust in his wealth and his accomplishments. But all that effort was literally pushing him away from God. He was caught up in doing which is legalism and thought he could earn his way to the entry into heaven. See, in verse 21, Jesus tells the man to, to give up all his possessions and to give the money to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. And then Jesus says this, then you can come follow me. It says in verse 22 that the rich young ruler walked away sad. The problem was for the, for the young man was money. It ruled him. It was his identity. Jesus, show, excuse me, Jesus showed the man where he was and that the heart that controlled his heart was money. So here's the takeaway. Without a doubt, wealth, I'm not saying that wealth is bad. Jesus never rebuked him for it. We'd never see that. Jesus knew what bound the man was legalism to the law and his money. No one can save themselves in order to inherit eternal life. Only by asking Jesus to be their Savior, confessing of their sins, and dying to themselves will you ever get an opportunity to enter the kingdom of heaven. See, Paul was trying to communicate that with the Galatian church, that Christ is the only way that can set us free. So this morning, as we get, we kind of gave a brief background, a brief uh, a beginning, a brief intro. We're going to start our teaching series as we look at the book of Galatians in chapter 5. And my first point this morning is this, there is, there's freedom in Christ. And I want to show you that in, verse, in chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And this is what it says. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law for you have been cut off from Christ, and you have fallen away from God's grace. It's pretty good stuff right there, isn't it, folks? But let's keep going. But we 
who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing its love. All right, we're going to get started here. So when you fall into living a life of legalism, you will lose the following things in your life that will be literally enslaved by a law. The first thing you lose is your liberty. See, Christ has made us free from the bondage of the law. We need we need to live in the freedom of grace. When you lose your liberty, liberty, you are now a slave to the law. See, folks, there's churches today that are full of law. You have to be all dressed up in order to go to their church. You have to wear a sport coat, a tie. Women have to wear dresses to their knees. Children can't, um, can't be children. No talking, and or an elder might actually come up and take your child out and discipline them right there before you. You might even be called out from the pulpit that there is a cry room and you need to exit. That is bondage. And who would ever want to go and worship there? You know, this is harsh truth. You might be thinking that. Again, I'm not saying, for those of you, that's part of your, your what you do. You do get you do go and get dressed up to go to church. That's fine. That's great. But don't do it because of legalism or the law. Do it because you're just doing it out of a sense of worship. Every church has a different culture and how they do Sunday morning church. Sometimes you'll see a pastor, much like myself, I'll wear a nice dress shirt, I got a pair of jeans, and I got a pair of cowboy boots, and I'm reading out of the Bible. That's what I do. That's who I am. That's how I come and bring the Word of God. Now, there's other men that will come up, and they'll they'll have a suit and tie. You'll have another guy that'll come up, and he'll wear a sport coat and a shirt. I love, for, for an example, I know his heart, and what an incredible man of God is uh, Kevin Corver. At Third Church, I love Kevin. He does a beautiful job at that church. He's just the right man for that place. He always wears a suit and tie, but that's his. That's who he is. I've known that man, and ever since I've ever witnessed him, that's what he does. Again, that's good. That's part of the culture of that church. It's not about legalism. It's about being in front of a lot of people. But number two, you lose your wealth. When you live by the law, you lose your spiritual wealth. Before you asked Jesus to be your Savior, you had a debt to pay for your sins. Everyone who has never asked Jesus into the life is carrying debt. Isn't that amazing when you think about that? Think about that in your own life for a second. You were indebted to slave, to, to sin. And by coming to Jesus Christ and asking Jesus to be your Savior of your life, that debt was paid what Jesus did on the cross. That's what Paul is trying to tell us. Keep your eyes focused on the cross. Don't go back and be enslaved by the law. See, the law wants you to think that you are more spiritual if you keep all the demands and the disciplines. The law is actually a thief that robs you of your faith. Don't allow the thief to the thief to rob you of your riches in Christ. Ephesians 2 4 puts it this way. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. See, allow your spiritual life to be rich in the depths of Christ's love for you. He paid the debt on the cross. Now live a life of spiritual wealth in his freedom. Now I'm not talking about prosperity gospel, so make sure you're not hearing that what I'm saying. I am not. What I'm saying is your richness is in your spiritual life. You're rich because you now have a you now get the opportunity to enter the kingdom 
of God enter the kingdom of heaven and you have a place. God has went and prepared a place for you. And we know that because that's what it says in the Bible. But let's keep going. Let's uh, read uh, these next portions of scripture this morning as we jump into starting with verse number seven. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing the false teaching. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, I love this. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just... I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. I love this. What this whole The law can be summed up in this. Listen to this, folks. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Now we're going to stop there. But this is the this is another thing that number three of what you lose. You lose direction. See, the Judaizers were getting the, the Galatians off course. Paul states that their eyes, to keep their eyes on Jesus, was being misdirected by what by which the Judaizers were trying to do by continuing to live a life in bondage, that their sinful nature was taking them over, and they were losing the very direction that God or that Paul tried to give them. See, Paul said the whole law is summed up in this way: to love your neighbor as yourself. We no doubt live in a culture today that loves themselves as loving each other. Now I want you to go back. I want you to think about last week about the. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the NFC and the AFC championship games. Um, obviously, the NFC championship game was a big blowout. The Philadelphia Eagles just devoured the uh, 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 49ers. But man, was it ever a game between the Chiefs and the Bengals? But see, think with me uh, about that game last week. La- the last few seconds of the game, the quarterback. Mahomes is running, literally in my mind, running for his life, but he's running to the sidelines to stop the clock so they can kick a field goal. In the heat of the moment, one of the, one of the backs, Joseph Osei, gets caught up in the moment and pushes Mahomes after he's out of bound. It cost a 15-yard penalty for the team. But, it, but, but the, here's the thing. It made it so that Kansas City... Got him closer to the field goal and also to and field goal position. They kick the field goal and win the AFC championship. The young man, Osai, knew he caused the Bengals to lose. Now, this is, this is what I, I especially noticed afterwards. After the game was over, Osai stayed on the bench, weeping from his mistake. It was said that the players went back in, went back into the locker room. The coaches left, but one player stayed with Osei until he left the field because he comforted Osei in his mistakes. See, folks, mistakes happen in the game and lost because of them. But when, when most important, his the the one player came to help redirect him, give him comfort, give him a brotherly love in the midst of what was going on in his life. 
See, I think this in my, my mind. The young man got caught up in the moment, didn't realize where he was at on the field, got redirected, he was off course, caused a violation of a foul, and so it set up so Kansas City could win the game. But this is why I want to, I'm bringing this up even this morning. See, Paul, out of love, was trying to redirect his love to Christ, to the Galatian church. To redirect and focus back on Christ and not on religious law. See, a lot of times, folks, sometimes we get caught up, we make mistakes, we have things to go, and we need redirection. We need somebody to come alongside us and help us to get back on the path. And a lot of times in, in the Christian faith and also, too, in Christian culture, Christians won't do that with each other. We see somebody who's getting off course, instead of going alongside them and loving them through it and helping them get back on, a lot of times we simply push them away and don't spend time like we should. See, that's what Paul was trying to say. That's not, that's not what religion's about. That's not what we're to do. We're, it says, love one another as you love yourself. And I love it that that one young, that young football player went back to Osei and showed him compassion, helped him get him back, get him back in, back in a, in a better mental state of mind, so then he could go back to his football team. Obviously, he apologized. He apologized to even on the network, but a mistake happened. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, it cost the Bengals the the AFC championship, but that's not all about life. It's it's a game, and I think it's important for us to realize the. The, the point is this, to love one another. And I think that was that was a great shot of that young man going to Osei and showing that. That's what we need to do, folks. We need to, we need to get past our legalism, get past our law, and start loving one another. We start doing that, folks, we'll change this nation around. We'll see things go differently. But it's going to take everyone to do that. But let's keep, morning, uh, keep going this morning. We're going to talk about what it means to be living by the Spirit. Now, this is some pretty good stuff. We're going to read 16 through 21. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation of the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. You have sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, self-ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, folks, we don't want to talk about sin. We always want to have that warm fuzzy that makes you feel warm and good about what's going on, but we have to look at sin. See, I want you to just think about this for a second. See, Paul was telling the Galatians to let the Holy Spirit guide them, that they had two forces that were constantly fighting against each other, the spirit of the flesh, which is our old nature, and having the fruits of the Spirit. Let's first talk about living by the spirit of the flesh. See, Paul names them. I think it's important for us this morning to look at them. We're just going to look at them brief, but it's important that we look at them. See, there are sexual sins, for example, idolatry, having sex outside the marriage bed, fornication, uncleanliness. This means to have fil filthiness of heart. Man, you go on, the com on, the, on your computer, you go on websites, you can have uncleanliness in your heart that will be rampant, debauchery. 
I want an appetite with no shame. That means this person keeps going back to the same sin and there's no shame in it. And he just, and that person just does it over and over again. Another one is drunkenness and um, uh, revelings, which is orgies and things like that. You don't think that's happening? Man, all you got to do is get on TV and watch where they have all these things that are going on with sexual orientations, which is hard, which is, which is against God's law. Here's another one. Super, super uh, sissious, which is sensi, which is sin. Idolatry, putting things above God. Man, I tell you what, it's easy to do that, isn't it? You can do it in so many different things. The other one, witchcraft, drugs, which was changed and altered the mind. Sorcery, which is the occult. Here's social sense. Hatred toward other people. Jealousy and rivalries. Comparing other with other people. Wrath and outbursts of anger. Self-sinking ambition. These are all social sins. Here's seditions and heresies. Divisions and sanctions. Holding grudges. Murders. This is a sinful nature that must die or be crucified. And how do we do that? By making our identifying our life with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It's our responsibility to do this act upon it. We have to make the choice. We have to make the change. But let's continue looking. I'm going to show you this morning. We're going to end on, on, on what the Holy Spirit, the fruits, the fruits that produce in our lives and how that's important for us to realize that. So let's look at let's look, uh, look at these last portion of scripture starting with verse 22 and chapter 5. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have nailed their passions and, and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every parts of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous with one another. Now, this is pretty some good stuff as we look at that. So I just want to briefly look at each fruit. First one is this. First fruit which is love. Paul begins this with first fruit because out of love comes all the rest of the fruit. That's essential. The Holy Spirit manifests into a believer so that he can have what we call agape love. That means self um, self, uh, the love is towards other. It's not about our own self. John fifteen thirteen says this, no greater love has one than this, than the one who laid down his life for his friends. Love is the greatest gift God can give you. Agape love, folks, never fails. Here's the second fruit, which is joy. The Greek word for joy is chara. Joy is the natural work of God. Flip, um, uh, Philippians 2.2 2 says this, Groups of believers who unite in demonstrating the mind, love, and purpose of Christ brings joy. Possessing joy, folks, is a choice. We choose whether to, to um, value God's presence and promises and by doing so, when we make those choices, he works in our lives and brings that fruit into our lives, which is joy, fruit number three, which is peace. Folks, we just read this, but I'm going to say it again. Peace. We are born at war, at birth, with our sinful nature that has already declared war on God and his truth. Our hearts desire to be separated from God. That's why there's always that inner turmoil. Matter of fact, it says in Romans 5.1, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit-filled Christian has a peace that is abundant and available in every situation, unlike anything the world has to offer. That means I can have peace in calamity. That, that means I can have peace in the good times. I can have peace in the bad times. Only God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can you truly experience and peace. Number four 
is patience. It means to remain under control, one who bears up a burden. It means to have a long uh, means to have a long temper. Patience comes from a position of power. Patience brings self-constraint. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 puts it this way. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. God is patient and his spirit produces fruit of patience in us. We, When we are patient, we leave room for God to work in our hearts and our relationships in life. Number five, I got to push kindness. It means um benignity, tender concern, uprightness. It is it's, it's kindness of the heart, and the, and out of that, kindness acts out. Psalms 36, 7, How precious is your steadfast love, O God! The children of mankind take refuge in your wings. Every action, every word will have flavor if you grow in this kindness. Number Fruit number six, Goodness. Goodness is a virtue of holiness and action. We can't manufacture it or own it. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no hidden violation due to charge. There is there is a life ca- characterized by goodness. goodness. Seventh fruit is faithfulness. Faithfulness is steadfast consistency or allegiance. It is the carefulness in keeping what we are entrusted with. Hebrews 11 said, has all kinds of people that, men and women who were faithful and had, and had the gift of faithfulness in the Old Testament who trusted God. Faithfulness is believing that God is who he says he is and continue to believe despite the, the different vagaries, the vagaries of life itself. Fruit number eight, gentleness. Gentleness is translated meekness, and it doesn't mean weakness. See, Matthew 21, 5 says, Your king comes to you, gentle, riding on the donkey. To live in the spirit of gentleness toward God is is to accept his judgment on people and also on issues. Here's the last one, self-control. Self-control is the ability to control oneself. It involves moderation, constraint, and the ability to say no. Romans 6, 6 says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Self-control is the gift that frees us. It frees us to enjoy the benefits of a healthy body. It frees us to... um, to rest in the security of God's stewardship. The secret to the gifts of the Spirit, folks, is the Holy Spirit. He alone gives freedom from sin. Man, we pushed hard. You guys did a good job hanging in there with me this morning. But let's let's have a word of prayer and we'll let you get on your day. Dear Jesus, again, we just thank you. We thank you for showing us the sin in our lives and how that separates us from you. Lord, we, we believe and we believe by faith that you truly were the Messiah, that you are the Son of God, that you now sit at the right hand of the Father, that you came and died and was crucified on a cross for our sins, that you were raised from the dead three days later, and now and through the resurrection, you have now sit at the right hand of the Father. Lord, we love you. We praise you for the sacrifice. We ask forgiveness of our own hearts so that we might have right relationship with you. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you indwell in us, that you bring us the fruits of the Spirit, your fruits, so that we might be better people. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Folks, what a great morning. I appreciate you being here with Vital Ministries. I'm Mike Serig, the voice of Vital Ministries.